Hey guys, welcome back to the Wild Doc. Um, this is another special edition podcast episode tonight. I today I have it's actually the morning time, right? Today I have on Jason Ackerman. He's a longtime CrossFitter. I've known him. Uh, well, I've got introduced to him uh, through my volunteering at the, the CrossFit Regionals. He's uh, evolved at HQ. He does his own uh, flexible eating nutrition seminars, all that. I've just learned that he's owned multiple boxes and uh, somehow skipped down to Florida. Uh, but he's a uh, native native to uh, Albany, New York. And uh, Jason, welcome onto the show. Tell me a little bit more about yourself and uh, what we can go on from there. Wait, is this going to be video? Are we going to live? Like people yeah. are going to be seeing me. Uh, yeah. have... See that? I, I just got them. Uh, I, I, I would have done my hair. Thing. I would have fixed my hair. Um, <laughs> No, that might I, be the best introduction ever. <laughs> uh, you nailed it. I think a lot of people in this day and age of CrossFit don't realize, yeah, I've owned three affiliates. I opened one of the first 100 affiliates back in 2007 in Albany, New York. Opened two others in areas right around Albany and have sold three affiliates. Moved down to Florida. People are like, oh, you retired? No, I haven't retired to Florida. I'm 38 years old, but... You know, wanted to get. <laughs> It'd be nice though if you could retire. There, it would right? be. You know what I tell people, and you'd be the same way. It's like even if we retired, we'd be right here doing this phone call because we love what we do. So, but love the warm weather. Body feels a little bit better, and um, you you get it. You're over in Pennsylvania. You get that one month out of the year with nice weather. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, super excited about this uh, this coming week because it's supposed to be super nice and I'm crossing my fingers we don't get thunderstorms and stuff like that. You know, even when it gets nicer, we end up we end up getting rain then anyway. So, <laughs> uh, but I travel a bunch, so I, I make it down to that Florida area and it's it's nice down there. I like it in Colorado to tell you the best. If I had to move any place, I think it'd be like Salt Lake City in Utah or Denver. Those places are beautiful. Yeah, like you know, the country. I, people would always say you'll never you're going to miss the seasons and I don't really miss the seasons, but you, you just miss that like relief of heat. It's not like I want snow and fall. I just, some days you're like, man, it's hot again. And, (laughs) but I get to travel a lot. So I just time my, my traveling accordingly. If I want some winter, you know, I set up some seminars in, in the winter in New York. If I want fall you know head to like san diego so you can figure that kind of stuff out i hear you, you see the seasons now exist on an airplane right yeah, exactly. you don't need to have exactly. them in your house anymore so do you have an affiliate down in uh, naples right now i don't have an affiliate down here i coach at a handful of boxes and i bounce around for my own training but i moved down here a little over a year ago considered it but I love being a box owner and I love being a part of a bigger community, but I also got to the point where I was like, hey, I've done that and it was great. I don't want to be tied to any one area. I think there's other ways to influence a bigger community than being a box owner. So I've never really dove into it again. I've had some offers where people are like, hey, team up and I'm just enjoying coaching. I coach, like I said, a handful of times a week, enough that... I really look forward to it right? and and am able to really give 100%. And then, I mean, I, I travel almost every weekend. I Probably every other week I'm gone for a couple of days as well. So it, it would be hard to be a box owner at this point. I technically still own a very small part of a box in New York. Um, right. Just because well, of the agreement that, uh, I had. That brings up an interesting question. I bet you a lot of people would be um, 
wanting to know is just like, how does it, how does it work to work for HQ? How does it feel to work for HQ? I know that you've been there involved with them for a long period of time. I, I didn't see you at regionals this year. Um, so I imagine that you were traveling to one of the other ones. You weren't at the Northeast. If you were, at least I didn't see you. So <laughs> no, I, I, I ran the Northeast regional for the first six six or seven years, however long it was until they condensed it to eight. They they condensed it to less, and, you know, there were just less need for people to run them. So I wasn't a part. I'll be judging out in California, you know, in, in, in two weeks at the game. So I'm excited to be a part of that. But it's, it's amazing. I mean, CrossFit is – I'm sure, like you, it's changed so many lives. And whether a direct impact like me where I was a box owner and now working for them or – you know, you get people like you and all these other amazing companies, you know, you take it like my favorite example is like Rogue Fitness. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's just amazing that this company that Coach Glassman founded has spawned off million dollar companies. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's just, you know, you see all of them out there, you know, even like before you were, that they were just metal fabricators, right? Yeah, like, you know, like Bill was this engineer I remember seeing buying my first set of rings from him. Now it's like I've bought rigs and barbells or, or even like rock tape. Like rock tape was around, but I think CrossFit is really – I wouldn't know about rock tape if I didn't do CrossFit. Well, you know, yeah, they were much more into the, like, the triathlon world, the running world. They were never – I mean kinesiology tape in general mm-hmm. has uh, exploded because of the, you know, the, the CrossFit community. But a lot of those, like a lot of those little country, uh, yeah, countries, companies <laughs> have, you know. And I think really it could be looked at even bigger. It's like there's sports. Like look at Olympic lifting. It probably would have died. Oh, my gosh. It, Olympic it, lifting should be I, – I, yeah, I'm probably going to get persecuted for this, but Olympic lifting should be kissing the toes of CrossFit. 100%. Like before that, like uh, America as uh, as a public – Man, they didn't. They forgot what Olympic lifting was, and now you have like these little meets, these little mock-up meets happening in high schools and CrossFit gyms all over the place. Like one of my best friends, uh, well, one of my best like gym friends. You know, he went from CrossFit, started in CrossFit, really wasn't for him, and uh, now he's like at the national level. You know, limping down in Texas, he goes down to lift and stuff like that. It's it's huge now because of that. Well, and, you know, all those people and think how many. 40 or 50 year old women do you think would be snatching if not for CrossFit? You know, that's, Uh, that's really like all those people. I can tell you, I was involved in fitness for probably almost 20 years before CrossFit mm -hmm. thought I was doing a clean and jerk was not, I was doing a reverse curl and a press really. And I never touched a snatch. That's a dirty joke (laughs) in there somewhere. (laughs) I had never done that movement. And, um, it's just, you know, that's someone who is involved in fitness. Imagine these other people. It's crazy. Right. No, it absolutely is. And, and I think that one of the reasons why I started my channel was, was because of, like, all the, the stereotypical negative things that were said about CrossFit. And I was like, man, it's not, it's not that people don't go into the gym trying to hurt themselves and this and that. It's, it's literally an education, uh, like, differential. It's like they don't know the things that could possibly be hurting them. And at the end of the conversation where, where this whole thing always started, I always still admired CrossFit, even when it had all these bad stereotypical things that were said about it, because somehow, 
somehow, some way, CrossFit has made fitness, being fit, cool again. Like if you go to the CrossFit games, you see everyone there is generally healthy. All right, you go to a football game, like you know, I, you know, I, I still love to go, you know, go watch the Giants or go watch the Jets, and I'm not necessarily a fan of either one of them. But I, I'm a big Pittsburgh fan, but in any case, that's the closest football stadium, and I still, I'm still a guy. I still enjoy like going to those, you know, those those big sporting events. And you look at the population, and they're generally unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Like they're generally look like like a dying society, right? But then you go to the CrossFit Games, and there's thirty thousand people there, and they they all look vibrant. They like even the, they're drinking and they're having fun, just like everyone else. Because you know, not everyone is this strict paleo. I just can only work out person. But even given that the fact that they're doing things that we would consider as unhealthy, they still look generally healthy. They walk up the stairs without looking like they're about to die by the time they get to the top of the tennis stadium. You know, like like I admire the fact that somehow. This community, this sport of fitness has made being in shape, exercising cool again. And I, I don't think that we give it enough credit for that. Yeah, I think it's because Coach Glassman just did it right. And, you know, you, you attach points to something that you can do in your garage. You know, and that's what's cool about CrossFit, too. You're watching the sport. We'll be, you know, whether you're watching on your computer, you're at the games, you're judging, you're working. It's something we all can relate to where, I mean, I don't watch many, I watch mixed martial arts and CrossFit, that's about it, and I compete at both, yeah. so it's like, I get it. If Are you a big MMA guy? Do you like MMA a lot? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, train, I train seven days a week, you know, mostly jiu-jitsu, but that's my other passion for, fit, you know, in the fitness world, and it's because I can relate to both. I can, you know, I know I get all my sports news from Facebook and I know there's something happened with basketball and LeBron I haven't watched a football game in in 10 years because I'm like I can't relate to this and if I can sit down for a few hours I'd rather be doing something for me but with CrossFit it's like you watch Ben Smith or Camille or Froning and all that and you're like man you know what they're feeling you can relate to that and it's it's that's what's I think super impactful on it and that's why you get these people that, like you said, are fit because they're all CrossFitters. You go to a football game and it's your 50-year-old accountant watching a football right. game. It's, he's not playing football. Yeah, I, I think that the biggest difference in like the people who watch CrossFit versus the people that watch another athletic event is they generally participate in that sport. I guess the only one you could probably say that would do the same is golf, but uh, you know, like a lot of golfers go to watch golfing events, but a lot of people that watch football games, they're not football players. They're Mm -hmm. people that watch football games. Like they might've been in high school or college, but they're not football players now. Like, you know, they're not playing four or five days a week where in CrossFit, generally a lot of people that are interested in CrossFit and can relate to CrossFit are also people that are working out in CrossFit affiliates around the world. So that might be something that's different. In any case, the reason why I originally contacted you. I can talk about that stuff forever. I love it. Right, is because uh, we want to talk about flexible eating, and we want to talk about uh, first of all nutrition in general. And I have uh, a big, I have a love hate relationship with nutrition. I was a wrestler for twenty plus years, wrestling. You know, like from the time I was four till after I graduated college. So uh, nutrition has has in one way been like this like hatred that I've had because I've always had to cut weight and I've always been like 15 pounds under my normal resting body weight and stuff. So when I 
when I got away from that, I was like, I'm never dieting ever again, barring like this metabolic illness. Like that's, <laughs> that's the only time I'm going to restrict anything. But at the same time, um, I think that as American society, we, we need to have some diet. And then uh, I'm going to compound this, this question is I also think it's the most overlooked thing besides sleep in an, in an athlete's training regime. Like they all want to be like, oh, man, we need to go to the gym, 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 gym. Everything is quantified. I need to get all this stuff done today. But, man, they don't think about their rest and their nutrition at all. They just think about the stimulus. And I try to get them to understand that, like, listen, when you're at the gym, that doesn't make you stronger. It's the recovery after the gym. It's this, the, the gym is the stimulus to, you know, uh, building that wall. But if you have no bricks, you got no mortar, no people stacking those suckers, you're not going to get any stronger. So I know I rambled a little bit there. Let's start out with generalized nutrition and, and what you think the biggest missing link may be in uh, CrossFit functional fitness wise and also athletic uh, wise well let me just say like I, first of all it felt like we just became best friends because you and I like that was the two th- you know I grew up wrestling as well which MMA and jiu-jitsu is ultimately what led me to this and I can give you that little story but you would completely understand and most people are like I don't get it because we're talking about weight manipulation but and then I tell my my most recent, not finding, that's not the right word, but really realization was, I've always known nutrition was the foundation. You know, we talk about it at your level one. Uh, it was written in Coach Glassman's article, you know, Hierarchy of Fitness. Nutrition is the foundation of this pyramid. And like you said, everyone's focusing on points and, and weight, and no one's quantifying their nutrition. We're like, ah, we eat good. I eat paleo, I eat this. But we weigh and measure everything in the gym, in the box, you know, it's like if I said, hey, guys, you got a snatch today, and they're like, cool. Well, the first question we'd get is how much? And if I was just like, ah, just make it something good. Do it. It's the same thing with nutrition. Well, I eat good. Well, how much? I don't know. So, but then I started to realize, you know, how important, not that I didn't know it, but it really opened my eyes recently, ended a relationship that was, like, stressful. She left. I started sleeping better with less stress, not changing anything as far as my fitness or nutrition routine, and dropped seven pounds. Eh. So that cortisol. That was probably because your cortisol. Yeah, but I tell people like so. So my realization became it's like nutrition, sleep, stress, fitness. You know, right. if, you're, if you're not doing everything right outside of the box, what you're doing inside of the box is so much. You know, and we can throw in, you know, your recovery too. Like I told you after this, I go to the chiropractor. I, you know, do, you know, raw water, yoga every day. Like all that stuff matters. And people are just more and more and more in the CrossFit box versus better, better, better. So yeah, that that's what's important. And I think that, you know, long answer to what's missing is dialing in your nutrition. And that analogy I use of, well, it's, it's, Snatch day, how much, how many, what other movements are we doing? People want to know, but then I'm like, well, how much protein did you eat today? They're like, well, I had eggs. And it's like, well, what does that mean? And, and for that reason, whether you're performing your best or you're not performing well, we can look back at your nutrition and say, here's why. You know, if I don't do well today in a workout, I can look at my nutrition for the last three days and start to understand why. 
Or if I'm doing really well, I can say, I got to do that again. Where these other right. people are just like, I don't know, I ate paleo. They're not, they're not quantifying it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what really needs to be focused on, especially in the CrossFit world. And then in the entire world, it's just eating the right amount of foods. I'm in airports, you know, weekly, and I see these people, and I can start to identify them by their body shape. You see these guys and girls that, that are walking around, and, and they're, like, skinny everywhere except for their belly. You see those people, and it's like, oh, yeah. you want to just grab them and be like, all you have to do is make a few little changes, and we can lose weight. You know, upper body obesity and belly fat is such a strong correlate to, to heart disease and all these other, you know, metabolic syndrome going on. And it's like, if you just make a few simple changes, you, you can be much healthier. So, um, what do you find as in like, if you're, if, if somebody's going to start again, we're talking first, like fitness, uh, world, like, you know, like, so people that are looking to get onto the right track, what would you say to those people as in like, what's the first steps? Just just actually writing down what they have and what they've been eating and what they haven't been eating, or I shouldn't say what they haven't been eating, just literally starting a diary? Well, you know, I promote flexible eating, and obviously, you know, if I'm, you invited me on, but I have a whole video series that makes it super easy to do, and, and what I would recommend is, for most people, it's like, I, I use the app MyFitnessPal, there's other ones out there, Oh yeah, I'm not, I know, you know, I'm not attached to it, I just personally believe it's the best and easiest to use. I, I pay for the upgraded version of it. And I would say, hey, you just want to get started in this flexible eating world and learn more. Download the app, track your food for a couple days. Start to understand what your norm looks like. You know, and that doesn't mean that's what you're going to keep, but just because the, the biggest mistake I see, the most common mistake I see is people are under eating. People are under eating. Almost, See, now that's a that's an important thing to say. Yeah, I would say regardless of people trying to gain weight or lose weight, especially people trying to lose weight, they have no idea that most often the their fault is they're they're not eating enough. And then to be more specific, they're not eating enough and, and almost no one gets enough protein. So a big one of the first few changes I make to people is here, here you know, I, I give them their, their information that I'd like for them to hit, their, their macronutrients, their protein, their carbs, and their fats. And for, I'd say, 90% of the people, that's immediately more food than they're used to. And then for about 99% of those people, it's double the protein that they're used to. And I'm not talking this crazy protein number. It's typically about 80 to 100% of their goal body weight. So it's not like crazy high. It's just more than they're used to and more than what the, you know, USDA recommends and probably that their doctor recommends. Yeah, that's a, that, that number, I, I mean, I never, I guess that I am a really bad person at uh, recording, but, you know, so say I weigh 185 pounds, so you're basically saying somewhere between... 160 and 180 grams of protein a day, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I typically say it depends on your fitness goals. So, for example, I weighed 146 this morning and I eat about 140 grams a day. Could I eat a little yeah. more? Yeah. Could I eat a little? You know, it's really just about understanding how much I'm eating 
I typically try to support somewhere between your lean body mass and your complete body mass. So for most CrossFitters, that's about 80 to 100% of their total weight, assuming, you know, they have some, you know, women might be a little higher with body fat than men. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, and 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 for that reason, I a lot of people I start with, even though their goal may be to lose weight, and even though they may be a little bit overweight, they don't drop weight quickly or immediately because it's the first time in their CrossFit career or adulthood that they're actually putting on muscle easily because they're they're mm-hmm. eating protein for the first time. I've seen women what? stay the same weight and drop like five percent body fat because they are putting on muscle. But so their weight doesn't change, their performance skyrockets and their body composition is just tremendous. It's amazing, right? Because our, our body is is a machine and we often forget that it is still a machine. It's still like we still manufacture things. Uh, but we manufacture actions and we manufacture, you know, movements. Um, and like any machine or any factory, if you put shit into it, it doesn't matter what it's making, it still makes shit, right? Exactly. Like why do you buy? Why do you buy like these super expensive, uh, whatever jeans, right? Why are they super expensive? Besides the fact, if you are buying them, you're probably stupid. But uh, you know, I'm, true religion's coming after me now. But you buy them because they say that they they start out with the most premium denims and all this other type of stuff, right? Uh, like their their starting essentials are the best out there, and then they of course put them together the best. Well, that's exactly what our body is, in my in, in my opinion, right? So if we if we start out with really crappy, you know, uh, products, how do we expect to make something really good out of that? And uh, it it doesn't necessarily work like that. However, uh, it doesn't guarantee that we make something perfect. Although we eat perfectly, we have a lot better chance, right? I mean, there's always the the, the things out there that we can't control sometimes, but um, I, I think. The beginning byproducts or the beginning products to whatever we put into our factory, our body, is the way that we have to start looking at things just a little bit, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That's it's the key. Like you, you know, it's like you know that old analogy of fueling a car. You're not going to fuel your Ferrari with unleaded, probably. You know, it's the same thing with your body. We need to be fueling it with the the best possible fuel we can, and 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 that's really the amount that's that's most important. I love that you said that uh, because I, I've done uh, some nutrition seminars uh, just at, at local area uh, grade schools and whatnot. Uh, like when I first started out as a chiropractor, that was like one of the ways that we got out and you know got to meet everyone and stuff. And it was just like little kids' nutrition, right? So very simplistic type of stuff. And the opening picture for it that I had was a picture that I took, and it had a, a guy carrying a bag of Purina dog chow in one arm. And McDonald's is in the other arm, and uh, I, w- I just was at the, I was like sitting at the, like in the middle of the street. Well, yeah, not in the middle, but on the side of the street one day, and I literally just took it with my cell phone when this guy walked walked uh, by. So anyway, the point was is that the beginning of that of that presentation of that entire presentation, I say, what's wrong with this picture to all the little kids, you know? And they uh, they come up with everything, and I'm like, well. And then I go to the next picture right after that, and it's a picture of a Ferrari, right? And I say, and next to next to a gas pump, and I said, you know, which which type of gas would you put in this? And everyone always says, you know, like super unleaded and stuff like that. And I go back to that previous picture. And I said, what's wrong with this picture? And uh, and 
I always find it amazing that people can't pick out the fact that the guy's walking with, you know, this $60 uh, you know, best type of dog food that you could buy, you know, so to speak, but yet he's got a $2, you know, breakfast for himself. Um, and it's not necessarily money that goes in as far as nutrition value, but it's the fact that we know that McDonald's isn't necessarily healthy for us, but yet we're going to go out and buy the, what we, what's perceived as the best food for our dogs. Mm-hmm. Why, why is it that we don't do that for ourselves, right? It's, it's true. So uh, that's super cool. And uh, tell me a little bit more about the, the seminar series of flexible eating and, and how people can learn more about it. You, you know, and what, what's important about flexible eating and my approach to it is, is you, you, you read a lot about it these days. There's if it fits your macros and flexible nutrition, and it's all the same thing. It's a matter of keeping track of your macronutrients, your protein, your carbs, and your fats. And my, my big approach is, is creating a, a healthier relationship with food. I work with a lot of CrossFitters, and obviously performance is their number one priority. But I also work with just a lot of normal people that do CrossFit. Like, hey, CrossFit's my one hour a day of exercise, and I just want to look and feel my best. I want to be a good mom or dad or even grandma. And you know it because our, our background's like our relationship with food is completely screwed up from wrestling. You know, I weighed yeah. 91 pounds through my junior year of high school. You know, I'm not the tallest guy, but... I had I struggled to make that. Yeah. And so just no. my quick story was it was about three years ago and I was getting ready for a jujitsu tournament and because of the way I grew up, because of the way you grew up, it's like I have to cut weight to feel like I'm training. And right. I get this <laughs> newsletter. So it's right, right? I get this newsletter in the mail from an organization called Naga. It's a grappling association and it was like you know, tournament in Albany at the local college, 129.9 was where I could be for um, expert no-gi. You know, so for the highest level of no-gi, I was like, I want to make that weight. Well, that morning I woke up, I was 165. So it was months away. It was like two or three months away. I was like, cool, this is going to make me focus on training. And I went from 165 over the next two months to 145. Like, but really like not starving myself but really eating a minimum I, I was measuring in the form of zone blocks at the time and I was doing about 10 to 12 zone blocks a day now that's not a lot of food that's like what yeah, a, a small lot. female would get but I had a goal and it was really focused but I could not get my body to budge below 145 so the week of the tournament comes along and you know it's like it's go time the night before in the sauna 15 pounds I cut, make weight, I won the tournament, and my body was like completely screwed up for months from that starvation and that 15-pound weight cut. So I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. And that's when I found flexible eating. So just to give you an example, like I said earlier, I woke up at about 145 pounds today, that same weight that I couldn't get my body below but I'm eating about 3,000 calories now. So it really was a matter of I need to change my relationship with food, understand that, you know, we, we all know, yeah, McDonald's probably isn't the healthiest. Fruits and vegetables are good for us, but it's a matter of understanding where all of that fits into your world. When I was cutting that weight, I wouldn't look at a piece of bread or a potato or things like a donut, where now 
I eat those types of things more often, but I understand where they fit into my life. So, under, you know, and you have that way of quantifying your food versus just, I was going to bed and it was like, well, I'm eating clean. And if you're a paleo person, it's like, well, what does clean represent on that particular day? Meats and vegetables, or did you have sweet potatoes, or did you have tequila? You know, every, it depends on what you want to classify as clean. So right. changing that relationship with food where people can understand you can have these foods you love. You can eat them. You can't eat all of it. You can't have 12 donuts, but you can probably have one every couple of days and still feel good, still perform good, and still reach your goals. And, and in fact, I encourage it because we've, we've seen these challenges that go on. What's that? It keeps us sane. Right. These challenges that go on for 30 days really just represent on day 31 going insane. I'm going to eat everything. Where I'd rather you figure out how to make it fit into your world on a regular basis. So right. that, that's really my approach on it, and that's how, that's how I teach it. Like I said, I have a video series. I do seminars. Um, the video series, if I put out the website, is just uh, join.theflexibleeatingnation.com join.theflexibleeatingnation.com um, I'll make sure that it's it's linked into the bio of uh, of this podcast so uh, cool and that's I'll make the, that's just yeah, my, so just send it to me so I have it and yeah. I don't screw it up because my spelling is about this, as good as the third graders <laughs> well you know and that's that was really just something I put out there because so many people were asking me about it I got so busy with clients I worked a lot one on one and I couldn't keep up. And I was like, I'm going to make a website. I'm going to just put it out there. It's a very simple form of flexible eating. Um, there's a lot of free stuff on it. So if you're learning about flexible eating and you want to just check it out without spending any money, you can do that. And if you like it, it it's basically my seminar that, that, I, that I travel around. And, I, and I, you can watch it from your own living room. And then I travel around. I've got a week in New Jersey uh, coming up uh, near you. I'll be at uh, a bunch of CrossFit boxes in the New Jersey area before heading to the games. That's awesome. When are you, when are you coming up to New Jersey? Just so July, maybe, I, maybe we can meet up. July 11th, I will be at CrossFit J-Town, uh, CrossFit GSP, and CrossFit Paradise. You know, that's, uh, that's like my home box, GSP. Oh, you know Darren? Yeah, yeah, I know Darren really well. Yeah, he's, he's actually comes down here quite a bit. Yeah, he's from he's from the the Florida area. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I'll be there uh, that Tuesday. You gonna be there? Uh, unfortunately, I leave on the ninth. So uh, my my trip across the country starts on the ninth at Brick, New York. Oh, cool. And then uh, the tenth is at GSP, and then I'm I'm already out to Ohio by the afternoon. Well, the evening of the tenth. So you're there so the day before I get there. Yeah, um, unfortunately. But I'll see you out at the games, though, because you said you're going to be out there. Yeah, I mean, I'll be judging this year on the floor. So talking to well, – what's that? Well, so we have this uh, this big project that we're putting together, a research project on kipping pull-ups. I don't know if you – have you seen any of the stuff that we're doing? But you should make sure that you come out to Vendor Village at least one time. We could bump into each other. I'd love to, to yeah. get you on the rig there. Um, I'll tell you just a, a real quick story about it. Uh, so basically what's, what's going on is, uh, kipping pull-ups have been, uh, I don't know what you, what you call them, uh, debatable at, at most, uh, at best, uh, for long periods of time, but there's no actual scientific le- research or literature that's, that's, uh, to found whether 
uh, it's good for you, bad for you, anything else like that. So for a while, I've been wanting to do this study, and I finally got together enough resources and had somebody fabricate one of the prototypes that I put together for a while. And basically, it's a, it's a fancy pull-up rig, which is a, a scale. Uh, it's, you know, a, a way, it, it, for better lack of a better term, it is a fancy scale, right? So the pull-up bar floats underneath the scale. Um, so basically, if you hang from the pull-up bar, it'll give you your weight, right? And then uh, there's a clutch on the scale, so uh, it only, it, it will, the needle will stop at the heaviest weight. So we have you hang from the scale, uh, you drop back down, and then we have you go ahead and uh, you know get back onto the scale after your weight is recorded, and you do five kipping pull-ups chin the bar, and then we record the highest weight, and then we do five kipping pull-ups chest the bar, and we record the highest weight. And that uh, the goal is to get two thousand people through this rig from the the trip out west and back, and also being at Vendor Village for uh, the the weekend, right? And then what we're doing is uh, we're taking all this data and we're putting it together in actual peer-reviewed literature, right? So, uh, so I can actually submit it to you know the Journal of Strength and Conditioning and all that type of stuff. And uh, then we're going to do a like a, a more layperson version of it to uh, you know put towards the CrossFit magazines. And, uh, and I'm working on trying to get uh, HQ to to get uh, like you know to to get involved with it as far as like once the literature is out because the whole thing is going to be like uh, videoed and we're doing like a little documentary about it and stuff like that. But basically what's going to happen is people, this is obviously an introductory study, but nobody has done anything with it yet. So uh, moving forward, uh, there's so many things that we can do with it, right? The load time for the shot, uh, that's a different story. But for right now, uh, what we are doing is we're quantifying people into experience level, as in like less than a year, one to three years, and plus three years, and then also by weight, so by 20-pound increments. So if you weigh 80 to 100 pounds, 100 to 80 pounds, obviously, and then male and female. And uh, what we're trying to find out is how much load is placed on average in to like throughout the entire body because that way we can look at how much load is going through the shoulder and all this other stuff. Now, um, if we understand how much load actually is generated during the kipping pull-ups then we can understand and make better safety protocols for those like oh you need to be able to withstand this before you start kipping on a regular basis to reduce the likelihood of having an injury um so that's that's what we're kind of doing and and to promote that we're starting in new york city traveling across with uh with an rv and stopping every day at a different crossfit on the way out and then we're hanging out in vendor village underneath the rock tape tent and uh, coming back, uh, the the back coming back is a little bit expedited, but uh, we're we're only taking like four days to get back, so it's basically we're just driving back. But uh, that's uh, a yeah, that's hopefully a great we, hopefully idea. That's a that's a phenomenal idea. I really like. I, I don't know if I'll be able to get out to Vanderbilt. From what from what I understand, I've never judged at the games, but it's like go time. I'm talking to a this girl, and she doesn't quite understand CrossFit, and she's like. So am I going to be able to watch you on TV? I'm like, if you're watching me on TV, something is going horribly wrong. <laughs> so don't. I hope you don't see me on TV. Um, yeah, you're the guy that's no rep in Chris Beeler, so he doesn't make it to the yeah, games. Right? That's, that's the rap. That I, I was like, I hope you don't see me. Um, but no, I think that's awesome because, you know, obviously I'm a proponent of the kipping pull-up, but only when someone has the strength. I'd say as a, an affiliate owner and as a coach, 
the most common injury I've seen in CrossFit is just, you know, I don't want, I can't call it an in, a specific injury, but it's like your shoulders are banged up and it's 100%. almost always from someone kipping before their body's ready. You know, right. and in CrossFit these days, we'll tell you, you need to have at least one strict pull-up. You know, I was talking to a girl at, at the box here just recently, and she's complaining that her shoulder hurts. And I was like, well, why don't you take today's workout? She was doing some sort of workout with pull-ups. I was like, do strict instead. And she's like, well, I can't. Yeah. I was like, well, that's the problem. That's the that's problem exactly right the there. Problem. That, you know? that right there is the worst scenario that we can see. It's the person that doesn't have enough strength to lift themselves up to the bar one time but, then it, but yet they fling themselves up there right and yeah. then what do you think happens they don't fall off the bar right but yeah exactly you said i'm a huge proponent of the kibbing pull-up i understand as the sport of crossfit we we need it right you couldn't go out there and do strict pull-ups and compete against somebody that's kipping however just like anything i wouldn't start uh you know driving a nascar first you know, I, yeah. I might start on a, a you know with a, a smaller car with uh, less horsepower and build uh, my not only my skill level but also you know my endurance towards you know that that driving activity. Just like people that you know do these kipping pull-ups, you know a lot of them they don't start or they shouldn't start by kipping. They should start by building shoulder integrity and upon that integrity, once it's built, yeah, then it can withstand more uh, you know more strain. High jumpers don't start like that. Sprinters don't start like mm -hmm. that. Nobody does, but why Why do we do it with, with well, kipping pull-ups? That's the beauty of CrossFit and the games, right? The games are probably, and even Dave Castro, I believe, has said this. It's like the best and worst thing that happened to CrossFit. You know, the best because my mom knows about it more so because of the games than the fact that her son's been a, involved for 10 years. And... We see it. It's just, you know, like the same analogy. It's like I compete at Naga and win. I'm not stepping into a cage with Conor McGregor and getting my ass kicked. Like I'm smart yeah. enough to understand the difference. But we see these people. I bet you would for $150 million, Yeah, though. yeah. I win for $150,000. <laughs> but, you know, hey. But, the, you know, I think but the misconception of CrossFit that it's dangerous. CrossFit's not dangerous. And you know that. You're a doctor. It's like CrossFit's not dangerous. Bad coaching is dangerous. Yes, and, absolutely. absolutely. You know, and these guys here are great coaches, don't get me wrong, but my rule at my box was, was five strict pull-ups. Five strict pull-ups, and it pissed a lot of people off when we started. We didn't implement that on day one because we didn't know any better, but it was probably yeah. 2009 or 10. I was like, people are getting hurt. Five strict pull-ups, that was the rule. We had bands, we had ring rows, we had everything, but A... People stopped getting hurt. Yeah, B, people got upset. I'm sure it didn't even cost us members, but people got better because of it. They worked on this. You know, I saw volume training going on, you know, one pull-up a minute. And you, you have the rest of your life to cross it. If you, if you don't have a strict pull-up, you should. That's really the there, – yes. there's no excuse. Yes. If, you don't, if you don't have one, you should. And if you, if you don't, why? Are you, you're either not strong enough or you're too heavy. You know, and I guess – that the, the true answer would be you're not strong enough regardless of your weight. But another example of why you need to eat better, my my strict pull-ups are a hell of a lot better 20 pounds lighter than, you know, even my yeah, regular. Yeah, your relative strength is, is, is greater. Yeah, and we're not going to, obviously the merits of the kipping pull-up are there when you're talking about power and intensity. So, we, you know, I hate when people are like, oh, it's cheating. You know, I, with my jiu-jitsu buddies, we're doing, they have this 30 pull-up challenge, and I hop on the bar, and I was the only one that can do it. And they're like, well, you're cheating. I was like, well, 
then why don't you do it my way? And none of them can do it. You know, it's like they, I was doing butterfly. They're like, well, I don't know how. Well, that that's your fault. Like my chin went over that bar, no different than yours did. And um, but we could I could talk about this for hours. Yeah, so, but, yeah, that's awesome. But I think that's a great. I'm excited to see more about that because and I'm because I'm anxious too. I wonder what the difference is for someone at 146 versus someone because the shoulder joint I'd imagine doesn't care about your body weight. No, it doesn't. The so, shoulder joint doesn't care about anything but what it can support. Right. So at 146, even if I'm coming down at 166 versus a 200-pounder coming down at 260, you know, if it's a, I wonder if it's going to be a percentage of your body weight regardless of your body weight. And if, So what we've seen is it's about uh, – So these are preliminary studies, and I don't want to base everything off that because what we've done now is we've got such a like a a much more precise scale, and we had the the rig fabricated by a professional rather than myself making it. But uh, it's almost like the good people, like the proficient people, are about one and a half times their body weight. The beginners are about two. So that that's uh, it's it's really interesting, right? So if I asked you at one hundred and forty six pounds, right? You know, could you hang on a pull-up bar, weighing, uh, adding an additional 146 pounds? So if I gave you a weight belt, put 146 pounds underneath you, how proficiently could you hang from that pull-up bar? And uh, for the the vast majority of people, is not that well. It's very difficult if they can at all. And However, probably- if I strapped your arms to that bar, they're not going to rip off, right? So what what are we relying on then? We're relying a lot more on the passive structures of the, of the arm rather than the active structures of the arm to allow us to do that work. And if we do that for a long enough period of time, we create these windows of vulnerability, right? So then we jump down and we jump into a burpee or something like that. Our shoulders fatigue both actively and passively, right? So the, the ligaments and the tendons uh, of that shoulder are now fatigued. They're now stretched out. They're in this window of vulnerability. We jump down into that push-up position of a burpee and bam, we get a secondary impingement because our shoulder shifts or something. Now we're blaming the burpee when really – we were doing an activity prior that we really shouldn't have done, right? We really didn't have the shoulder integrity to do, but, you know, the burpee's the one that gets the bad name for it. Uh, so the idea behind this whole seminar and this whole little workshop is to raise awareness about that and allow people to understand that. Like, this is what you need to be able to withstand to, uh, to move forward. And if you do this and you actually participate in it, you're going to see that your gym decreases injuries not only in doing pull-ups, but an overall, Everywhere. like all these different movements, what, and that's that's what I'm passionate about. Do you do you find that there's a specific number of strict pull-ups that kind of at least gives you the indication that someone has the prerequisite strength, or would you say a weighted um, pull-up is more? Important? I would say it's the amount of uh, the weight that they can support holding from the bar, and uh, you know, not necessarily doing a pull-up with it. The amount of weight holding from the bar. Um, over the ability to do one strict pull-up, right? So, for example, if you can do one strict pull-up, but you're creating twice your body weight at the bottom of the kipping pull-up, then you're still superseding. Like, it's great that you could do one pull-up, but you're still showing that the active structures of your shoulder can't withstand what you're generating. Mm -hmm. So there's one of two things. Become more proficient with the pull-up, right? And you can do that with practice. Or get stronger in the, you know, with that, with throughout the, the whole shoulder muscle girl, right? Um, but yes, I, I am a huge proponent of like, do you, do you ever hear of uh, the recon Ron program? No, it's, a, it's an old military. This guy named Ron was a, uh, you know, a, a Marine recruiter 
And uh, all of his guys that he recruited kept on getting a perfect score in, uh, in like, the pull-up portion, right? And he would be taking, like, all these people. And they so, so much so today were like, what are you doing to these people? And he's like, oh, I'm not doing anything. I just, you know, I made up this program, this pull-up program. And uh, it's, a, it's basically based off of fatigue but not failure, right? So you, like, say you could do five pull-ups. Uh, and this is just a, a, a quick example. It's not really the numbers, but say if you if you were able to, your max amount of strict pull-ups were five. You would do five sets of like three, two, two, one, 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 mm-hmm. right? And it would, and that's what they would do every single day, right? And then the next week, that would go from like three, two, one, one, one to like three, three, two, two, one, one. Like so, they'd be adding like just a little bit. They would never get to the point of failure, but they would do something with consistency, you know, four or five days a week. And this, they would allow these people, like you know, because you have to do twenty strict pull-ups, and you know, to get a perfect score uh, for the Marine intro test, if it's still the same, um, you know. So you had all these people that were able to do twenty strict pull-ups, and uh, and I I use that program for a lot of things. I use it for, uh, you know. Uh, different push-ups, diff- like you know, uh, sit-ups. I use it. I use the idea, the concept of bringing people to fatigue without failure, uh, a lot. And um, I'm a huge, huge lover of that for for pull-ups. But if you if you notice, if people do that and people prescribe to that program, they're they're able to withstand a lot more, and they they get a lot stronger pretty pretty darn quickly. You know, within six to eight weeks at least. That's funny that because that's a rep scheme you, you see on CrossFit a lot, and I didn't realize that's probably where. You know, Coach Glassman, a big fan of the military. Maybe that's where he got it from. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It's it's pretty famous. Like I, I'm not at all inventor of recon run program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might just, I'm just a lover of it. You know, just like, like a lot of stuff. So, um, yeah. Went, so uh, we went off topic. Hopefully, I get to see you out there, and hopefully, hopefully, we get to at least pass by each other. If not, uh, you know, once uh, once the competitions are over. Uh, well, I'll try, no, to, I'll I'll try to meet up. If we get any break, I'm definitely. I always like to check out Vendor Village. It's amazing. You know, it's like being at Woodstock, which I never got to go to. But well, I did go in '99. So, but um, <laughs> I did go to that one with you know where they had those big fires, Metallica, everything. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was gone before that. Um, but it, no, I'll try to get there. I want to be a part of that test. That's really cool. Yeah, and we'd love to have you. And I'll be down because uh, I'm I'm working with Rock Tape down the medical staff, so I'll be down there too. So I might push bump you bump into you someplace. I might there. need to be taped up by that point in the into the game. <laughs> That's right. We'll get you taped up too. All right. So uh, I just want to wrap up, but one more time, where can we find more information about flexible eating and just let everybody know and all that type of stuff? One more time. So my website for the video series is join That's like join period theflexibleeatingnation.com. There's some free downloads because I you know, want to make sure people – I think we're similar. It's like I do this because I love it. I'm not mm-hmm. you know, making our income as a byproduct of it. So I never try to get people – it's like I'm not trying to be a globo gym and have you pay $9.99. I want you to make sure you like it. Check it out. I'm, feel free. My email is just jasonackerman36 at gmail.com. So – if you have questions and want to reach out to me directly about it, that's totally cool. And then my other website is squattherapy.com. And that's just my web, yeah. my personal blog and where I do my own podcast and put up pictures and, and cool stuff like that. So any of those three avenues. And then, of course, social media. I try to have a good presence on Facebook. I'm on Instagram and uh, anywhere else that I can 
put right. pictures of myself and my dogs. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, that's awesome, and I really do appreciate you coming on. Do you have any closing words you love to say to, to everybody out there that's listening? No, I just think we, we, we nailed it earlier, and it's like people neglect their nutrition, and I try to keep it simple. I try to make it sustainable. I've been doing this for years. I've never – I mean, you probably understand that story, but for those that don't get it, it's like, man, I was walking around at 165 eating quote-unquote clean, eating paleo. Yeah. And now at 145, I just put up a video yesterday on Facebook of what a day of grocery shopping looked like. And it was like cookies and some other treats, but there's, you know, meats and vegetables. You got to have balance. And I'm going to go compete at a tournament in a couple of weeks and I'll be at that same weight class that nearly killed me with ease. And yeah. my performance at the bottom, I'm 20 pounds lighter than I used to be. Bigger back squat, bigger snatch, bigger deadlift than ever, you know, and so it's what you said earlier, nutrition, sleep, stress, then training. Love it. Love it. Well, my biggest thing that I took uh, away from it and the thing that I always like to highlight, like one one sentence that, that, that hits me all the time is uh, most commonly people do not eat enough, do not actually take in enough. I like to recap that. And uh, the fact that uh, out, of, out of the things that they don't eat enough is that it doesn't seem like they eat enough protein. You know, where athletes, you're, you're definitely saying that to be around 80 to 100% uh, of grams per their goal weight, those are like big ideas, big concepts to me and the, and the ones that I took away from it. So I wanted to reiterate those and I wanted to thank you one more time uh, for taking out the time. I know that I know that we had our, our, uh, our difficulties connecting a couple of times. So I appreciate you having patience with me and I appreciate you jumping on here tonight with me or this morning with me. Yeah, you got it. It was great. Thanks. It was great meeting you. Uh, in- I suppose in person, and I'll see you out yeah, in California. Yeah, like virtually, virtually. Yeah. Have a great rest of the day. All right, awesome.